Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to another episode of Windsor Film Club, the underground club of movie podcasts focusing on the underseen, underappreciated, and downright weird films that not enough people talk about. I'm Madison Fairchild, and I'm here with Reina Cervantes and Steph Koza. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this week's going to be a little bit different, but before we get into that, what have you guys been watching? I... Today I was binge watching The Wilds season two on Amazon. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm, I've only, I say binge watching, I only watched three episodes, but I don't know if either of you have watched The Wilds. I haven't. Uh, Same. I haven't watched it either. Okay. Season one was really good. It's kind of similar to Yellow Jackets, but season two, I'm not, I'm not feeling it quite yet. It's, I don't know. The writing is like really bad for some reason (laughs) and season one was so good I'm just like really confused but I'm gonna keep watching and see how it goes (laughs) I hope it gets better yeah me too (laughs) what about you Reina uh I haven't really been watching anything all too much this week I know that sounds bizarre the only movie I really watched was the movie I'm gonna be discussing today but um I have mostly been reading question mark (laughs) <laughs> oh, um, what are you reading? So this is like basically a follow up on Lucy James's episode where uh, she recommended to me the Grant Morrison run of Batman. Oh, and yeah. I bought like the three like huge like omnibuses of it. And so I'm working my way through like almost near the end of the first one. But it's it's so good. It's like it's like truly bizarre the way they they weave in like all of like Batman's history into a single mythos, like even the weird like 1950s and 60s issues where they're like, oh, Batman went to space and whatnot. Like that's all canon. And it's like, oh, it was all a hallucination in Bruce Wayne's mind (laughs) to prepare for a situation like that. I don't know. I'm really loving it. It's dense. It's it's wild. It's super entertaining. Honestly, it's kind of everything I need a comic book movie, uh, not a comic book movie, a comic book to be. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm like, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that that's sounds really cool. good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. Our li- I'm sure our listeners can tell that I am feeling super under the weather today. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm so sorry. Hopefully the pod of- will like. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say, hopefully recording the pod will like wake you up a little bit, you know? We'll we'll set we're sending you our energy through <laughs> the internet. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, Speaking yeah. of uh, comic books, Reina, you got to see the thirty-five millimeter of Multiverse of Madness this week, right? Oh, oh shit! Yeah. yeah, I guess I can talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, um, indeed, I saw what probably is, if I believe, the only like film print of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, they projected it over at the New Beverly uh, opening night. Um, very infectious energy there at the New Beverly that night. Uh, the whole theater was pretty much like Sam Raimi themed. So they had like posters up for like the Evil Dead trilogy in the <laughs> lobby. I love that. That's um, awesome. They're having their halfway to Halloween celebration. So they got spooky stuff going on. Yes. And it was just it was wild to watch a Marvel movie on release with like not necessarily Marvel fans, but Sam Raimi fans. Yeah. 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 So this no, was definitely like a weird Marvel release, like unlike any other. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I think what it was with this one in particular and this particular crowd is like no spoilers, obviously, for listeners because it just barely came out. But there's like that whole segment in the middle that like you can tell is there for the comic book fans. Mm. And Mm. and I'm and I'm sure when certain people popped up, it got like massive cheers at like other showings. But like at ours, it was just like, oh, yeah, nobody really cares. (laughs) Just get back to the Sam Raimi antics. But um, (laughs) it's a gorgeous print. I think I think if I had any criticism to it, it was uh, the Marvel movies are such CGI that like I feel like a lot of it gets lost in translation, like when watching a film print of it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't look like because usually like film, it like looks like the cliched thing of like it looks more real, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And this one, it doesn't. Um, but the colors were fantastic. They were wonderful. And the color grading, especially in this particular Marvel movie, is good to begin with. So you just had like those even more like deep, rich colors. And obviously the sound, New Beverly, is like top notch. So overall, it was cool. Um, kind of my favorite part was uh, their pre-show. So Oh, I love the pre-show there. Yeah, so for listeners that don't know, whenever they show a movie, they always have a pre-show themed to what's being shown. So the theme for this one was Sam Raimi. So they showed 35 millimeter trailers of his movies. They showed a trailer for Army of Darkness. Oh, that's they showed, sick. They showed a trailer for Spider-Man, um, a trailer for The Quick and the Dead, and a trailer for Darkman. And uh, I had not seen, like anything of army of darkness or the quick and the dead on 35 millimeter so my mind was just being blown like watching those trailers <laughs> it was super fun super cool i think they said it was the first time that like a marvel cinematic universe movie got like a film print since like 2013 i believe oh my gosh that's awesome yeah i feel like i don't remember there ever being one yeah like- so like I think by like 2014, like every movie theater was required to have digital from the studios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they just like stopped doing film prints after that, unless it was for special occasions. But I genuinely wonder what kind of pull Sam Raimi had to like do to get like a film print of this one made. Yeah, that's really interesting. And like, you're right. Like, I can't imagine seeing like all the CG on film. Like, that would be kind of weird. But I feel like I appreciate that he did that like that's really cool for sure this is for such sure. a like the more that i think about this movie the more i love it like it's such a refreshing shake-up of the marvel universe and like was just so it was it had to sam raimi all over it mm-hmm. which i love <laughs> it was I, so fun I, I will say though i'm not sure if this movie was shot on film i didn't really do my research but i think like part of the problem is mm-hmm. is it most likely wasn't shot on film it was just yeah. like converted to film and it's really noticeable because um, with like, say, I saw a 70 millimeter print of Wonder Woman when that came out because they projected it at the arc light. Now, the difference between that and like Doctor Strange, I believe, is Wonder Woman was actually shot on 35 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it wasn't converting digital to film. It was converting 35 and blowing it up to 70 millimeter. And that like still had like all the filmic qualities until the end when it turned into like CGI soup. Mm. But uh, it's 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 definitely interesting. Um, I do agree with your statement, Steph, that this movie felt like a really big like shakeup for the MCU. Like yeah. it felt like 
it felt almost in a way almost inconsequential to the overall like story that the MCU does. And I think that's why fans in particular don't like it is like, oh, it's like very standalone. Aside from like WandaVision, like you can like get away with like not watching anything like my dad has seen like one MCU movie and that was like Eternals. And he saw this one and he was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I didn't even think about that. You really can just go into this without. I mean, you probably should see WandaVision, but you really don't have to. Well, like they like, but yeah, they like recap it in a way like, yeah, kind of the recap was like. I know I said no spoilers and I don't really count this as a spoiler is like where Wanda like talks to Stephen Strange and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're here about Westview. And he's like, no, I'm not. Right. Yeah, that's in the trailer. That's not a spoiler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm curious, uh, Madison, what did you think of it? Because I know you saw this opening weekend, too. Yeah. So my movies I saw this week were um, I saw I almost said WandaVision. I saw Multiverse of Madness twice. I finally finished and watched all of everything everywhere all at once and I loved it favorite movie of the year for sure and then I saw you guys always ask oh what Star Wars movie did you watch and I usually don't watch a Star Wars movie but this week I did I watched The Force Awakens (laughs) does that hold up honestly yeah I I hadn't seen it in a few years and I was kind of nervous going into it because I hadn't seen it since Tross and Mm -hmm. I still love it I think it's a really fun movie and is that um, your movie Wait, what? I said, is that your movie? Oh, no. Oh, my God. I wish I could pick a Star Wars movie for this. But uh, no. So I watched Multiverse of Madness. I had a lot of things that I would complain about. But overall, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, It's definitely one of my favorite MCU movies. Um, And I thought the acting was really great. I love Sam Raimi since I was a little kid. So I absolutely love it. But There were things that I would change. It doesn't really matter, though. I talk about it in depth on Cinemania World if you want spoilers. But yeah, nothing I could say really spoiler free. I just really enjoyed it. Enough to see it twice, at least in the opening weekend. Can I say that I saw it twice, but I saw it twice for like a very specific reason. Um, What was the reason? So I found out my local theater that I go to does laser projection and not traditional like bulb projection. Uh Uh-huh. So like the projection is just leaps and bounds better than what you would get from like a standard like digital bulb. I went and I saw it again just to see the Avatar trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) And let me say that movie looks fucking gorgeous. I have like, you know, get the soundbite ready stuff, because I think that movie looks like a certified ass whipper or at least like (laughs) the trailer is. I actually haven't watched the trailer yet. Oh, I have not seen it. It's um, so good. It's really pretty for sure. Yeah, I it's, mean, I, I, I expect it to be beautiful. There's I mean. like shots in it, like singular shots that like people will like, like single out online and they will go like, this is CGI. And I swear there's like one where it's like somebody like with like, it's a Navi with their blue hands, like tying something on the water. Oh, that and it's part, like, yeah. Yeah. And really that's good. all CGI. And I was like, wait. Hold up. Stop. That is CGI. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Like and and it's so like the the technology since 2009 has been like this shit woke me up. Side note. Um, <laughs> the, the technology compared to 2009 is obviously leaps and bounds better that people will post comparison shots of like 
how a female Navi looks now compared to like 2009. And it makes the 2009 film legitimately look like a video game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the, the Navi like have pores now and you can see like imperfections <laughs> on their skin. And it's it's wild. I, I, th- I think it's going to be good. I uh, unapologetically love the first one. Me too. So I'm very I excited. Mean, honestly, like say what you will about the first one. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it did like make its mark like it was a huge event and a huge spectacle and like it really was like the most beautiful movie ever and so like the obviously the sequel has to have that same expectation like and like james cameron has been making it for freaking ever so i think they said it i think they said it like beat like the day one views for like most watch like movie trailer it like it'd be like like star yeah. wars records like it'd be star wow. wars today wow so, yeah oh no go on madison no i was gonna say it's so funny that we like brought this up because i just got off the phone with my dad before we recorded and he was asking if i'd seen the trailer of course mm-hmm. and i was like yeah duh um and then i asked him if he remembered this because like one of my favorite childhood memories was um going to see avatar the first avatar um it was opening night and I had school the next day. I was like 10 or 11. I don't know. And my mom was like, she can't go. It's like, it's too late at night. She has school. And so my dad put me to bed and everything. And at like 11 PM, he shakes me up and he's like, we're going to the movies. And then he like snuck me out of the house <laughs> and we went and saw Avatar and it was the coolest night of my life. Um, and so I love Avatar. I, it has a lot of sentimental value. Like that's one of my favorite memories with my dad. And um, I can't wait for the new one. The trailer, I felt, left me wanting more. I definitely um, felt like it was lacking in, like, maybe plot. But uh, visually, it was stunning. And I loved it. it. It is a teaser, mind you. Like I know, but I feel like teasers can still give a little more than this one gave. Tr- true. I, I also feel like this movie is still quite a ways out. It's, like, end of December. Like, that first Force Awakens, like, teaser doesn't say shit. Yeah, true. I don't know. I I could be I, I think I think I'm probably looking at it with rose tinted glasses of just like, <laughs> oh, it's Avatar. Like, I don't even I don't even need to know what it's about. Like, I'm there opening weekend. I know it. Also, like, I feel myself like crumbling to dust because I was like 16, 17 when that movie came out. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I'm a baby. so. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Speaking of. uh. Speaking of like underrated movies, like I do think Avatar is pretty underrated, even though it was this big event. I don't know. People like to I think diss I on need it. To, yeah, I think I need to revisit it. I feel like I saw it and I really liked it. And then everyone shit on it and it like manipulated me into thinking, yeah. like, oh, maybe this actually is a dog shit film it's and just, I shouldn't like it. <laughs> it's just dances with wolves with blue people. It's Pocahontas. Like, come on. But like um, Pocahontas is a good story. So <laughs> her, her grandmother's a tree. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I always felt weird about that movie. Um, regardless. Uh, Madison, you want to tell everyone what our theme for today's episode is? Of course I do. But first, let's pause for an ad read. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? the good ones even the bad ones everyone told you not to like it sounds like super yaki is the place for you the team at super yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life 
to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And for our listeners, you can enter the code SUPERWINDSOR in all caps to receive 10% off your entire order. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's, Let's watch, watch more movies! movies. So this week, we decided to do something different. We each brought to the table our favorite underrated sequel and decided that we weren't going to tell each other what it was. And we're going to convince everybody why this is a good underrated sequel. So, Steph, what was your movie? Um, well, first of all, I just want to say I've been very excited about this and I've been trying to guess what you guys picked <laughs> <laughs> like all week. I'm like, oh man, I wonder what they picked. And I really thought Madison, you were going to pick something in the star Wars universe. <laughs> uh, You're so valid for that. <laughs> Cause I almost did. I almost picked, um, return of the, or not return of the Jedi revenge of the Sith. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't. But I thought about it. But then I was like, oh, maybe Madison will pick one. <laughs> and then I, Raina, I was like, I bet Raina is going to pick something that I've never heard of. <laughs> You'd be like, surprised. Some... <laughs> OK, it's either going to be something I've never heard of or something. God awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> but either way, I, I haven't figured them out. But the, that was like the ballpark I was in. Anyways, um, the movie that I brought after very, very many hours of trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about is Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I I'm willing to hear the case. Like I'm going to pull out the court gavel because this is, this Ooh. is interesting because I do not like this sequel. I do. Ooh, oh, okay. <laughs> so I would love to hear your case on this. The plot thickens. Okay. So we, should have, we I'm sorry. We should have done this like courtroom themed. <laughs> I know you're right. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think like what sound effects I can put in this to make like a it gavel important. slamming or saying like yeah. objection from the Ace Attorney game. Just do the SVU sound. Dun dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. This is gonna be fun to edit. Um, okay. So Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It came out in 1991. And it got a lot of shit. A lot of people feel like it's weaker than the original. Um, and it has like a it has a 57 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the first one's certified fresh. The second one is definitely rotten. And personally, I think Bill and Ted's bogus journey is better than Bill and Ted's excellent adventure by a lot, actually. And I think for me, I think it has aged better. Like over time, I've liked it more. I think. When I was younger, I liked the first one more because it was a lot more silly. It's a lot more goofy. And I don't know, it, it resonated with me at a younger age. But I think as I've grown and like as an adult, Bill and Ted's bogus journey is so fucking funny. It's so dark. It's off the walls. You have <laughs> absolutely no idea what direction it's going to take. Like, I think every time you think you know where it's going, it goes somewhere completely different. And I love that about it. 
And not to mention, we have to give a shout out to William Sadler as Death, the Grim <laughs> yes, Reaper. I love it. One of my favorite characters in anything of all time. <laughs> he's so good in this movie. And like, he's the best character in the entire like Bill and Ted universe, if you want to call it that. And I think his presence in this movie makes it just one of the best movies ever. And yeah, I don't know. I just think, I think the jokes are funnier. I think it's much more bold. Like they literally die in the first five minutes. Bill and Ted, (laughs) the main characters get killed by evil robot versions of themselves from the future. (laughs) And then they go, well, they escape death and then they try to haunt their parents so they can like save them. But instead of being saved, they get exercised and they get sent to hell. And then there's like this ridiculous 15 minute scene of Bill and Ted in hell. And it's horrifying. It's like literally a horror film, this sequence of them in hell. It's terrifying. I was rewatching it yesterday and I was like, oh, my God, this is like actually scary. (laughs) Like if I watched this as as a child, I would have been horrified. And that's probably why I didn't like it so long ago. And I love it now. But it's ridiculous. And it's just like, it's such a wild concept. And it goes in so many weird places. And it's amazing. And I love it. And I also really love that when they were making this movie, the title, the original title was Bill and Ted Go to Hell, which I think (laughs) absolutely rips. But they thought it was like, too dark. Like it was it was too much for Bill and Ted, like because Bill and Ted's like silly and not a scary movie. And so they're like, maybe we should tone it down a bit. And they went with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. But in my mind, I like to think of it as Bill and Ted go to hell. <laughs> so so according to court documents, <laughs> you haven't really provided a reason of why you think this is underrated, aside from it being funny. Is there anything else that really stands out to you about it? Like, why do you think it's not as well beloved? In her defense, I think that a comedy being funny is enough reason for it to be underrated. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> Objection. She's, lead, she's leading the witness. <laughs> no, like, I mean, I feel like I made a pretty good point there. Like, it's it's way funnier than the first one. Mm-hmm. It's bolder. It The plot is much more creative. I think the writing is better. I think I think the first one is very predictable and you know, it's fun, it's silly, but it's it's not that funny. Like I mean, it's funny. I like the first one, but I don't think it makes me laugh nearly as much as the second one. And I think it's because the second one kind of like resonates with you. Like granted, it's Bill and Ted and it's just stupid and goofy and doesn't really have a point, but like the sequence when they're in hell, there's like some serious psychological shit going on there. And like you could break that down and write a whole thesis on just that scene of like their nightmares and like what childhood trauma will do to you. Like they literally go to hell and like uh, Bill is being like tormented by his terrifying grandmother. And there's like I forget what he is like the sergeant guy who is threatening to take them away to some like military camp in Alaska is like trying to kill them in their version of hell. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's just so good. It's just so good. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The prosecution rests here on (laughs) it. 
speaking of the prosecutor, Reina, what did you watch? Mm, are we sure we're ready for for mine? Um, I'm ready. Mine, mine might ruffle some feathers. I'm Ooh. about to be hella prosecuted. I'm <laughs> I'm going to be attacked for presenting new ideas. <laughs> um, the movie I chose this week, I thought long and hard about it. It was a toss up between this and one other movie. Uh, so the underrated sequel I am bringing this week is from 2013, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, my oh God. shit. <laughs> Directed by John Lusenhop, uh, starring Alexandra Daddario, Dan Yeager, Trey Songs, Tanya Rainman, and Tom Berry, along with appearances by Bill Mosley, Scott Eastwood, Gunnar Hansen, and Marilyn Burns. Uh, this movie rests... At a whopping 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Reads as an ugly and cynical attempt to reband to rebrand Leatherface as a horror anti-hero. Texas Chainsaw 3D is a bold move for the franchise. They <laughs> called it bold, yet said it was bad. I don't I don't know what's more insulting. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this movie, for those of you that don't know, is was sort of their attempt at a recalibration of the franchise. It's a direct sequel to the first one. Like literally the opening scene of it is moments after the end of the original 1974 classic. Um, and then picks up many years later. I think it implies it's like 20 years. So that would make it in the 90s, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are characters that use iPhones in this movie. <laughs> That's awesome. I love um, it. So somebody did the math and they're like, Alexandra Daddario's character, because she's a baby, like, OK, so the family from the first movie dies in a violent shootout with like the sheriff and like other like townspeople. They like pull up as a mob and just light the house up with bullets. Um, and a baby is there like a newborn and she survives and is taken in, put it in into a new family. That's Alexandra Daddario's character. So somebody did the math and they're like, she should be like 40 years old <laughs> in this. Um, but to be she's fair, not. she like doesn't age and she still looks exactly the same. So she that, could have been. That's true. That's true. Um, anyway, the plot is uh, she receives an inheritance randomly one day from, I guess, her original family. And she inherited this big spooky estate in Texas and her and her friends go on a road trip there unbeknownst to her that the family member that died was taking care of Leatherface and has them like basically locked up in the basement. Um, one, that is an insanely fun setup. <laughs> like I, I just, I just inherited this big spooky mansion and there's a psychopathic serial killer <laughs> just chained up in the basement, just waiting to be let loose. Um, other than that, it's pretty much your stip typical standard slasher fare. Like, like there's a scene where one of the girls, she gets a shotgun and she goes to fight Leatherface and she says, welcome to Texas, motherfucker. And she blasts him. And I'm like, wait, Leatherface <laughs> lived in Texas already. So who are you welcoming to Texas? Um, so it's got dumb moments like that. The entire thing was in 3D. Don't ask me why. I did see it in 3D. Thank you for asking. Um <laughs> They take Leatherface and put him in these weird situations like, what if we put him in a carnival? What if we put him in a slaughterhouse? What if we had it so where he sewed his mask to his face? Um, and the mask is horrible. It looks like a beehive. It's, <laughs> it's admittedly not a great movie. But, but 
where I stand on the defense that it is an underrated sequel is I am of the mindset that Texas Chainsaw sequels are good when they lean into the camp. Yeah. Yeah. The more ridiculous they are and the more fun they are, the better they are, with the exception being obviously the first. Now, the way I feel about that is the way I why I feel that way is because you're never going to recreate the first one. And that's what Toby Hooper, the creator himself, basically agreed with. That's why when he did part two, it was drastically different. So any Texas Chainsaw sequel that is super fun is vastly underrated in my book. In fact, the only ones that aren't fun are like the remake and part three, I believe. The rest are pretty fun. This movie gets the shit end of the stick, though, because I feel like everybody thought it was going to be like a dark, serious reboot. And it wasn't. It was just like kind of a dumb, fun slasher movie. And I think it was like grossly like mangled when when reception hit. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Am I just like preaching no, to like a choir it. that doesn't know? I've seen it. I've, I've seen, seen it, it, but I also can't imagine thinking any movie with 3D in the title is going to be dark <laughs> or heavy. <laughs> Right? It's a dumb title. Yeah. Like, I love it the is. title, but I just can't imagine being one of those audience members that's shocked by it being a campy movie. It has 3D in the title. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you've seen it as well, Steph? I have. And I actually want to say that I agree with you. And I, I think I have an even hotter take in that I think I like this one more than the original. <laughs> Oh, that is an extremely hot take. I do not know if I'm going to present that to the jury. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I do. I, I respect it. Does that mean it's correct? Maybe it's not. not. It's not correct. It's not the right opinion, but it is true. <laughs> so I, I also, to be honest, I really don't love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love a good slasher. But of all the slashers, it's my least favorite. And I don't really enjoy it that much, if I'm being completely honest, mm-hmm. which is like I, I know a lot of people love it and it's a great movie. But for me, it's, it's just not really for me. Um, but I in film school, I took a horror class and we watched back to back the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then we watched this one. Oh, my God. Texas Chainsaw oh Massacre 3D. My. We didn't watch it in 3D, but we watched it. In class what like a, back to back for I'm some like, reason yeah I'm, I do like not know why. Here, I'm like sitting here going like why didn't they watch part two i i don't know my my horror professor was like he was amazing but he was he had some weird tastes <laughs> but um no we watched some wild ass movies in that class but we watched both of these and i was like the only one that was like um i think this one is amazing <laughs> i think it's oh better my. than the first one <laughs> I feel weird now that I brought a movie that it's like, oh, yeah, they, they both agreed that it's like pretty underrated. I so. figured we would, though, because we yeah. all have pretty overlapping tastes. I feel. I mean, I feel like I passed the bar exam for nothing now. <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm quitting I mean, law I can, school. I can acknowledge that it's like not a good movie, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Like, it's fun. I think it achieved exactly what it was supposed to achieve and that it's just like a campy, fun horror movie. It is a fun throw it on and have some beers with your friends type movie. Yes. Which are like the best kind of movies. Well, then, Your Honor, the the defense rests. (laughs) Innocent. 
I am nervous that I'm going to get hate for my for my pick. Ooh, I can't wait. So my initial pick is my actual what I believe is one of the most underrated horror movies. And it's uh, I didn't pick this one because it's a remake and not a sequel, but it was the newest Evil Dead. Um, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think Ooh. I've talked about it here. I did not pick it, though, because I think it's just a good movie and it's a remake, not a sequel. And I'm picky. My pick has a 20% score on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, I'm very embarrassed about it, but I think it's underrated. So I picked the American Ring 2 that came out in 2005. American what 2? The Ring 2. Ring. Oh, ew. I know, I'm sorry. Okay, here's my defense. All right, Um, I got to hear this. I'll give the plot summary first for people that haven't seen it. So The Ring 2 2005 is set two months after the events of The Ring. Rachel and Aiden, the main characters of the first film, moved from or- like from Seattle to Oregon to like try and escape their life that they had, where they had to deal with the trauma of Samara in the first one. When they arrive in Oregon, uh, Rachel has another journalist job, and she discovers that the videotape that they made a copy of has been going around with teenagers once again. And this time it's happening in Oregon where they live. So in an attempt to like rid themselves of Samara, she destroys the tape. But because of that and because of her empathy in the first film, Samara is like set free. She possesses Aiden and wants Rachel to be her mother because she's had two mothers that tried to kill her. So Rachel uses her journalism skills to investigate how to stop the possession and get her son back. So there are parts of this movie that make absolutely no sense. But I love it as a sequel nonetheless. I really like that they did a direct continuation of the first film, but they did a very different plot. Like they didn't rehash the same plot whatsoever. I feel like a lot of horror movies, it's like, okay, in movie A, this person watches a tape and they have seven days, blah, blah, blah. And movie B, the exact same plot. But they switched it up a lot. Like you see the first kill in the beginning is a teenager that watched the tape and had seven days to live. But after that first kill, it's very different from the first film. And uh, I think that David Dorfman, who plays Aiden in both films, he was so creepy in the first one. And even during sweet moments, like he's fucking terrifying. So I thought it was really great that they let him use his talents to like really, really lean into being creepy because he's Samara, basically. And I think that it didn't age well because it feels a lot more commercial and less like a student film, which was the first film's strength, is that it feels very like, I mean, if you just watch the tape alone, it's very scary student film, like disturbing. Um, and this one feels a lot more commercialized, um, a lot more CGI versus practical. Like, I know there's CGI in the first one, but it, it feels like the CGI in this one did not age as well as the first one. Um, and the first one's one of my favorite movies. But while I was watching and taking notes last night, I've seen this movie multiple times, but I was watching it and I was like, wow, I noticed that like the visuals feel a lot more like Ringu than they do the first ring. And I made a note of that and then let it be, let it leave my head. But I realized at the very end of the movie, you and the credits roll, that's because Hideo Nakata directed it and he directed Mm -hmm. both of the uh, Japanese rings as well as the, um, I think, 2013 ring movie about like YouTube (laughs) Um, But Mm -hmm. it's funny because I did not know that when I made the note that I was like, this feels like Ringu. This doesn't feel like the ring. And it's because it is ring like, well, they're all Ringu, but um, it was the same director. And I thought that that was really funny. And I'm glad that he got to come and make the American version of his own movie. 
thought that was cool. It's like a different plot, though, right? It is a different plot than Ring to the Japanese version, but mm-hmm. he is the director of all three of so Ring one and two in Japan, and then Ring two in America. Yeah, it is a different plot, but the visuals, I mean, looked a lot like Ringu, like the the way that the faces looked after the um, saw Samara and some of like Samara herself. I I like noticed it did not feel like the first Ring in that way, and that's why. And I picked this one because like I love horror movies, whether they're good or bad. It's really hard for me to dislike a movie like it has to be really boring for me to dislike it. But I feel like they're underrated if they meet the standard of they scare me, not like terrify, but they have to make me feel uneasy. And it is so, so rare for me to feel uneasy while watching a movie. I have been like I was so exposed to horror at such a young age that nothing really makes me feel that rush anymore. And no matter how many times I see this movie or the first one, I still feel that like not in my stomach every single time. And it is really hard for me to feel that way. So I I feel like they're underrated just because like they might not be or it might not be the best movie, but it still does a really good job at making you feel uneasy. And I never hear people talk about it. And so despite its faults, I feel like it deserves recognition just for being a creepy movie. And that's why I picked it. Okay, so. Now, now time for the prosecution. Um, uh, let's see. I think the biggest issue with this movie for me personally is I do agree that that uh, Nakata brings his own like like personal flavor of dread and whatnot. I think the biggest problem for me with the sequel is the script. Oh, for sure. I think, I think it's got a very bad script. It's actually written by my mortal enemy, one by the name of Aaron Kruger. Aaron Kruger, for those of you that don't know, I'm just going to list off some movies that he has written and you will understand the problems I have with him. Uh, Let's see. Scream 3. Not any of the others. Just the third one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Transformers Dark of the Moon. Transformers Age of Extinction. No. The American Whitewashed Ghost in the Shell. Oh no. Dumbo. <laughs> and now Top Gun Maverick. Although I hear that um, one's actually I heard that really one's good. amazing yeah. and I'm going opening night. Really so let's not shit yeah. on Top Gun Maverick because I'm about to stand it so hard. <laughs> I mean, the Transformer movies are bad, so I can't even like defend mm-hmm. that. But I love Scream 3. I don't think it's good, but I think it's so fucking fun. Like so, and Carrie Fisher's in it. Slay. I love it. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I mean, I think it's my least favorite screen movie, but it is like I still enjoy it. You guys realize this conversation, like this episode, is inspired by the scene from Scream 2 where they're discussing sequels, right? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I well, picked, yeah, they the, were talking I picked about the theme of this episode, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I love it. It I will say, yeah, two Two is good on a visual front, on the scares front. It's the script that really lets it down, especially because I feel like the first one had a very like, wow, the first one was written by Aaron Kruger, too. I guess my and the first one is good. My argument falls apart. The first first one's good. Really good. Like, I'm sorry. It's it's really hard to follow up a Gore Verbinski movie. But of course, Hideo Nakata does his best. Um. I agree that it's hard to follow up a Gore Verbinski movie, but he wouldn't have had that movie if it wasn't for Hideo Nakata. So I feel like it's just a circle like the ring wouldn't even exist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My defense for the bad script is um, 
so many horror movies that we all love have terrible scripts. So I feel like it's not fair to cherry pick one when tons of the horror movies we love just don't have a good script. I feel like if it's scary, then it's done its job, you know? Interesting. That's fair. That's fair. You know what? That is fair. All right. I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I have not seen this movie, so I have nothing really to contribute to this conversation. (laughs) But I agree with that statement. (laughs) I think I think it would have been more interesting if you said, oh, I'm going to defend rings. The third one. I haven't. I have to admit something to you. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And what's funny is that I'm bringing it my parents a lot this episode, but uh, I saw the ring for the first time when I was. maybe six or seven, like kindergarten, first grade age. And I had long hair all the way down to my butt and very dark. (laughs) And I, whenever my parents would give me a bath, I'd put all my hair in front of my face and I'd make sounds like I was hurt. And one time when I was little, I got out of a bath and I had a white American girl uh, nightgown and (laughs) I put all my wet hair in front of my face and I crawled into my mom's room like Samara. I'm like seven at this point. And I crawled in her room and she cried herself and peed. So (laughs) shout out mom. (laughs) She cried and peed herself, I meant to say. Yeah. This child is possessed by the devil. Yeah, my parents called me Samara as a kid. Like that was my little nickname. So I love the ring. I haven't seen rings. I was too nervous to see it. I didn't think that I'd like it. So I just didn't go. So so wait, I think that story is really funny because I did the exact same thing as a child, except I pretended that I was cousin it. And so my mom (laughs) called me cousin it when I was a kid. And that's why I love the Adams family as an adult. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, because like I'm looking at like like a uh, critic like tidbits of the ring two and straight up Brown and Tomatoes. It says the ring two serves up horror cliches and not even Hideo Nakata, the director of the movies from which this one is based, can save this movie from a dull screenplay full of absurdities. Um, Roger Ebert also said he said the ring two is better than the first one though while limited is real enough it is based on the film's ability to make absolutely no sense while then <laughs> nevertheless generating a real enough feeling of tension right a good deal of the time yes okay that's basically exactly how i felt like does it make sense no do i did i feel sick sometimes yeah <laughs> like and i i just don't it is so hard for me to get that rush and I'm, it, it sounds weird, but I really miss that feeling. It's like an adrenaline rush. It's like an adrenaline junkie. I miss feeling scared from movies. And no matter how much I watch it, I, I'm i a little more scared when I go to the bathroom at night. And I feel a little uneasy with the big TV in my room, you know? And I love that feeling. It makes me so happy that I can still feel that way with movies. Well then. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I. I think I think court is adjourned on this. <laughs> yeah, I can't really argue with that. Let's see. Do I have a gavel sound like? Oh my god! <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> we all brought something interesting to the table this week. Yeah, I'm really glad we got to talk about this. This definitely was a Windsor Film Club. This was just like Scream yes. Two. Yes, it was. But yeah, do you guys have? Um, do you guys want to say your social media so we can find you? Yeah. Oh, wait, I had a fun fact that I wanted to mention and then I totally forgot. Oh, period. I wrote I wrote notes when I was watching Bill and Ted and then and I can't find them. I don't know where I wrote them. (laughs) I was like scrolling through my phone like, oh, where are my notes? So I like that's kind of why I winged it because I 
He's like, I literally don't remember what I was going to say, but I did remember one really fun fact that just makes me love this movie so much and like makes me love how goofy and just like off the walls and silly the entire concept of Bill and Ted is because Mm -hmm. it's just like they just made this movie and we're like, yeah, we're just making this for fun. Like we really don't actually give a shit about anything. (laughs) Like the entire script is just like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if like this happened? And then they just went with it. And I love that. But um, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, they say the phrase station all the time. It's like their way of saying like, excellent. But like in the future, they're like station. But it's never explained. It's just something that they say in the future. And it's never explained. Like at no point in the movie is anyone like, oh, yeah, station is a word. And it means blah, blah, blah. Like they just say it. And it's really fucking weird. (laughs) You just kind of go with it. But I was reading some trivia and apparently (laughs) the reason they say station is because in the original script, there was a scene that took place in a police station and it was like interior police station, blah, 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 blah. And then they erased it from the script. But for some reason, the word station was still there. And so as they were reading through the script they were like doing a read or doing an edit they were super punch drunk and they were reading it and they got to the line station and they thought it was so funny (laughs) that they just started saying station station and then they just put it in the movie (laughs) and i think that is hilarious before we go do you guys want me to reveal the other movie that i almost picked besides texas chainsaw do it oh yeah because i really almost picked this one uh, I almost picked Matrix Revolutions. Oh, I would have loved that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying. Yeah, I had a lot of like trilogy or like saga movies in my head, but I didn't know if we were supposed to do that. So I was like uh, trying so hard not to pick one in a trilogy or saga. But the list went on and on and on yesterday. <laughs> it was so stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to know like what other movies you guys were thinking of doing. Like I had such a long list. It was just Texas Chainsaw and Matrix for me. I had um, Shrek 2. I had Shrek 2. That was my first thought. Yes. Oh my God, me too. (laughs) That movie's not underrated though. That's why I didn't do it. That's why I didn't go with it. Because I was like, yeah, people do love Shrek 2. I'm like, Um, two people here love Shrek 2. I know. I almost picked Scooby-Doo. Two? That was my second fucking pick, Steph. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. It went Shrek 2 and then Scooby-Dooby 2. I can't fucking believe this. Wait, that's literally my list. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. Those are my first two ideas. And And then then I had the Evil Dead remake. Oh my god. (laughs) And then I had Scream 4. And you had Scream 3. And then I had Kirby Lives. The Kirby I know, lives. Kirby lives. Oh Kirby lives. I'm so fucking psyched about that. Um, and then I had Revenge of the Sith. Wow. So yeah, I feel That's so funny. <laughs> so number one, vindicated, and number two, I'm really glad we picked what we picked because we weren't telling each other what movie we were gonna do, and two of us could have shown up with the same movie, and that would have been embarrassing. So. I know. I was kind of worried that like that was gonna happen. <laughs> I, I also had another movie. But I don't want to say it like if I say it, we're going to have to edit this out because I think I know somebody who might want to cover this. Oh, what? Uh, okay. I almost picked Slumber Party Massacre 2. Oh, my God. Ooh. That would have been a good one. But we I think we need to cover that. Yeah, I think we're going to end up covering that because I know somebody that like really loves that movie. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, but, uh, do you guys want to give your socials? Yeah. 
Uh, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can find me at Steph Koza on pretty much everything. Um, and you can also find me on YouTube at Steph Koza versus the movies. You can find me on all social media at JFC Doomblade, where I public where I post uh, my published work pretty often and my thoughts. Go follow me if you want. And I am at Maddie underscore Amidala on everything. I have another podcast about the women in the Star Wars community called Night Sisters Pod. And we are Windsor Film Club Pod on Instagram and Twitter. So find us there. Leave us a review if you'd like. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, guys. Excellent. Station.